This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you. Are golf shoes necessary? Wood tees versus plastic tees. And Costco makes golf clubs. That's right. It's a year-end worst of edition of At The Turn. We were just joking before we started recording that. Well, you tell it, Nick. Well, everybody is just doing the cliche, best of, you know, wrap up for the year, all their best content. We're taking the worst ideas that we had for podcast topics all year. We kept them in a little box. We're unwrapping that box and we're gifting it to you in today's episode. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Reminder, your gift to us should be to rate and review the podcast. The Survivor Pool is coming back. Nick, the first of the year is nearly upon us. The Sony Open in Hawaii is when we're going to kick things off. I'm going to I'm going to be sending an email this week seeing how many folks I can dupe into coming back to the Survivor Pool for year 2 if you want a free entry into the Survivor Pool. Leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify with your best tale of survival on the golf course. Nick, does anything come to mind for you when I say the best tale of survival on the golf course? I know I know you had a lot of rounds that could have been great where it maybe went the other way, but what about what about your best save or or, or when you were able to survive on the golf course? Does anything come to mind? Um well, I'm kind of laughing because I was just going to ask you, like, do you mean like survival on the golf course? Like, I had, I had a playing partner I just wanted to kill, and I somehow <laughs> survived this round. Or like, man, I, I hung, I, I held it together, but now I think I get the context. Um, no, honestly, round... I think either one of those works. Whatever survival means to you on the golf course, tell us about that in the review. Go ahead. Uh, my low round ever was an 82, and I should, I should talk about this more like you talk about your 67, because it's getting farther and farther away. Right, who was um, that person? But I remember I, I um, like going into like the 15th hole, I played through a couple, and they were like, oh, like, you're so good, you should go ahead of us. And I was just like, oh my god, like, just, just don't blow this, because I was, I knew I was playing kind of, like, you know, better than normal. Uh, the last hole was like a, it's like an uphill par three, and the green is like, sloped 45 degrees and i had a downhill putt where it was like would have been really easy to putt it off the green and down this hill like 40 yards away <laughs> and um i made i made like a four footer for par to to seal my four foot downhiller left to righter uh to, oh, yeah. to seal my low round i mean it would have been my low round anyways but i could have like five putted and still you know posted my low round but um that felt like survival that felt like surviving I think it was maybe the first year we played in the Corner Club Open. And back then, you got to play both the U of I golf course and Palouse Ridge golf course. And this is before I got my new irons. And I played with a pair of or a set of Callaway. I love that you already know what I'm saying. Going to get into here. Uh, I I, I played with a, a set of Callaway X16 irons that were made. I don't know, circa 2001. And I used them for a long time because I knew how to hit them. And I knew the distances and I hit them well. And eventually, you know, I have a proclivity for losing clubs here and there. So it probably had like a, you know, a three iron, a four iron, a six iron, eight iron, nine iron. And that was about all I had. And I was playing quite well. And we stood on a par three and we had to wait. And the playing partners that we had, 
they were fine, but they were a little bit annoying. No. They were and... they were super annoying. They're they are probably the most annoying partners we've ever been paired with in the Corner Club Open. And I'm including the the the, the, the duo that got in a fight six days prior to um and still had the black eye to show for it. Yeah, twenty twenty two we played with a pair of brothers that got in a fist fight in the tournament the week before. But these guys were somehow worse. I think it was early into the back nine, it was par three. It's like a hundred eighty yard shot. And uh right before I hit he like grabs a club out of my bag and he's like, this is what you're using. How are you, how are you playing well using these things? And I think you were more upset than I was. He said, what are these rentals? (laughs) And the thing is they literally were, I got them from a nice course in the Portland area, the reserve on a discount when I was in high school and play with him for like 20 years. So anyway, they were released in, in January, 2003, just to, just to clarify oh. for those gearheads out there who are, who are seriously wondering. And I, I pulled it up. The irons that I'm looking at are exactly your irons that I've, I've seen so many times. Um, it's, it is comical. Yeah. So I don't know. That was, I, we, we ended up playing very well. That, that may have been our only foray into the gold flight. I think, in the uh, times that we played in the Corner Club Open, but we were able to survive out there. But I digress. If you have a story of survival, please leave it on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Nick, let's start with Costco, Kirkland as a golf brand. Now, we all know the K-Sig golf balls were a frenzy. What was it, like three, four years ago those came out? Longer ago? Longer. I was in Hawaii. Um, we're, we're talking about 2017, 2018. Wow. Okay, so it's been a minute. Yeah. And then word on the street was that KSIG golf clubs were going to be released. And released they were the four through pitching wedge you could have gotten for $499. I say could have gotten because they are currently out of stock. Apparently, after some light Googling, a marketing PowerPoint presentation leaked to the public. So we have an idea of how many they sold and how quickly and some other information. So there was an initial buy of $2 million worth of iron sets over a five-hour period. So if each one was around 500 bucks, that means Costco sold 4,000 sets of these irons in a five-hour period. Nick, I would ask you if you're one of the lucky ones to buy these, but I know you're not because as is typical in golf only righties they did not make these for a left-handed golfer but i wonder if romey or anyone waste, we know why waste money up. built making these for lefties lefties don't need nice things what is your take on costco continuing this dalliance into golf um i think it's great i think um people should know you don't need to spend six hundred dollars on a driver you don't need to spend $1,500 on a set of irons. You don't need to spend 50 to 60 bucks on a dozen balls. Um, they have a putter at the KS1 putter, which looks really nice. They've got wedges. They have these irons. I don't know if you saw it, Joe. They released the driver in the last couple of days. They did. Uh, oh. um, I'm not, obviously, I- I'm left-handed, so I'm not not buying these. But I think it's great for people to know, like, you can get nice things. Like, these, these aren't just, like cheap crappy clubs like they're, they're good clubs they they're they're basically they took like i don't know a, a titleist driver and and 
and just made it Kirkland signature. Like the irons are like basically tailor made um, P seven nineties or whatever they are, like the players distance irons with like the, the hollow body, you know, they're, they're, they're good. They're good clubs. Basically what I'm saying is it's good stuff at a good price at a fair price at a working man's price. And you're not, you're not just getting some crappy like starter set. Like I got my first set of golf clubs from, from big five sporting goods where I happened to work at the time. And it was like, these are just crappy enough to get you by for like your first year to figure out if you really want to play golf. And if you're really going to do this more than like twice a year, you're going to have to buy new clubs. Like that's not what this is. And Kirkland signature is not the only brand doing this. I, I happen to play direct consumer irons that I tested out for an article for golf link. And, and I love them and, and they are work they great for me. They're not, they're not PXGs. Okay. They're a Tacoma. Okay. I play oh, okay. direct to consumer wedges um, from sub 70, which I bought on my own volition because of a lot of research I had done and the pricing and, and the performance. So I think it's good for people to have these options that are high quality and reasonably priced. And it also keeps like the big guys honest because spending 600 on a driver and that's only going up and up and up. The, the more they do that, they have to be careful because Sure, there will be the Brian Romies and the Joe Simons out there who say, like, I'm I'm playing Titleist because that's what I want to play. That's what I like. Maybe I shouldn't lump you into that category, Joe. That's fine. But I do play Titleist. There, there's always going to be those people who who aren't turned off by the price. But there are going to be more and more that say, like, why should I spend this much? Why should I spend 600 on a driver? When maybe I can spend 200 at, at Costco or maybe I can spend 300 with sub 70 and still get a really good product for, for half the price. So – What's what's really interesting about this to me is the Kirkland Signature golf balls, they were stress tested and it's like, yeah, this is like using a premium golf ball. And I think the irons are probably going to be the same way. But there's also this element of scarcity where because they are such a hot item, because there's such a frenzy around them, I think they're able to create this really interesting dynamic of yeah they're quality yeah they're cheap but they're also limited edition like i remember when kirkland signature golf balls first came out there was this thing of like all right well i'm gonna buy a box of these but i can't ever play them because they're really really fancy and now it's getting to the point where i feel like every third or fourth golf ball that i find lost in the woods is a kirkland signature which is really interesting so Clearly, that has changed, and I wonder if that's going to be the case with these golf clubs because I would assume for even the next run, or maybe the next run after that, I'm going to have to go just online to buy these. Am I ever going to go to Costco, get my six-gallon drum of peanut butter, my vat of chocolate chip cookies, and be walking by and say, you know what? I am going to try that new putter out for 125 Like, am I ever going to walk into my local Costco and see these clubs, or is it just going to be an online purchase? I wonder if it ever gets to that point. Because I think if you put them in the store, then the element of scarcity, the element of having this be a limited edition completely goes away. And some of the mystery magic also goes away with it. And I think that's part of it as well. I think that's a bit of the equation. I think it is from the consumer end, but I don't think that's Costco's play here. Like, I think, you know, I, I read that they sold out instantly, but they're going to have a new they're gonna restock them like they're, they're not just like playing yeah. keep away from the consumer i think they're just like hey we'll, we'll we'll fulfill the demand um like i think they're happy to keep making them as long as people keep buying them i, I don't think they're trying to get that that element there i think it just kind of happens because like people are like holy shit a, 
$500 for a set of irons that say Kirkland signature, but they look like tailor-mades. Like, this is kind of crazy. Resellers already taking advantage. You can get them for a cool 1000 bucks on eBay if you want to do don't, that. Don't spend $1,000 on a product that is popular because it doesn't cost $1,000. Nick is going to be very upset with you. That's my word of advice. Nick yes. is going to be very upset with you. If the you driver is only 200 bucks. You can get better irons. You can get better irons for $1,000. Right. Yeah, you, it's not like this is top of the or may, Exactly. It's very good for the price. That's the appeal. Don't double the price to get something that's popular because it is a low price. If you do, I guess it's a stupid tax. From from snow tires to jeans to golf clubs, you can get it all at Costco Wholesale. I saw this article months ago, Nick, and I've really been hanging on to it because I think it's an interesting topic. And I'm curious to know how much you are into this. Or, or, or not. Now, you wrote it. You're the author of this. So it is from Golf Link, your website, are golf shoes necessary? And I think that's a really interesting topic because, again, this is another piece of the golf world where you can drop $300, $400 if you go to the very high end on golf shoes. Or you can just wear, like, what you wear, like, around the house. Or I call them, I call them my walkers. My shoes that I use for walking or running. Uh, and you can use those in the golf course as well. Like, I played Kapalua in just a pair of tennis shoes because I didn't bring – I was on vacation. I didn't bring my golf shoes with me. I, I didn't bring my golf clubs. I used rentals. Um, so lay it out for us. Are golf shoes really necessary, Nick? Uh, they are. If you're listening to a golf podcast, then then golf <laughs> shoes are necessary. There are edge cases where, like, you, you play in, like, your company's scramble once a year. Like, sure don't buy golf shoes like fine um but if you're playing more than once a year more than twice a year yes golf shoes are necessary and i i remember writing this it's been almost a year since i wrote it but i i revisited it and um i, I probably feel more strongly now than i remember feeling when you brought this up but there's a lot of reasons i put five in this article and i, and I do feel strongly about them um number one and i'll just go i'll just rattle them off one bit. yeah yeah number one like your your feet are your connection to the ground and your connection to the ground is the foundation of your golf swing like i i don't know how to overstate the importance of like your balance and your weight transfer and and what you rely on your feet for during the golf swing so why would you why would you voluntarily compromise your connection to the ground in a sport that's i think we can all agree is probably already difficult enough it's hard yeah it's a hard game um, number two, this could have been number one, like even on a dry day, even on a 85 degree yeah. mid July day, there's always precipitation on a golf course. Guess why it's green. They water the course. If you're playing in the morning. One of those primetime tea, those primetime tea times, there's going to be dew on the course. Um, you're always going to find some sort of moisture precipitation, like not just dry, you know, ground where you say, I don't need, I don't need these types of shoes. Um, and also the golf courses are so huge. Like there's going to be low spots where, where water accumulates. Like you're going to find places where you're going to want to have a little bit of extra connection to the ground, that little bit of interaction with the turf. Yeah. And the, to, to the connection to the ground point in general, you see so many pros sort of springing up off their feet now when really going after a driver and 
Golf shoes help with that. If you want to hit a tee shot like Justin Thomas, you better wear golf shoes. Yeah. Um, to kind of go off of that, golf shoes are waterproof in the right places. Like even like uh, even not your your waterproof golf shoes. Because yeah. I I I typically have a two golf shoe rotation. One that's like the go to for the eighty five percent of rounds, where it's like the summer rounds that it's mostly dry. Um, good for walking, lightweight. You know, kind of like the running shoe style golf shoes. And then I have like a a fully waterproof like wear when it's wet, muddy, rainy, early spring, late fall type of shoes. But even your running style golf shoes, like the toe has some waterproofing, the, the, the lower has some waterproofing, but they're but they're still lightweight. They know you're going to be trekking through some dew, like no matter what, like some precipitation, some some water, some places, and your feet are going to stay dry. And the last thing you want is to be wearing like some some old running shoes, step in a puddle or step in something wet on the first hole, and then have to have like wet, soggy feet for four plus hours while you're on the golf course being like, damn, I really wore the wrong shoes. And now I'm stuck out here. You're stuck. You can't just be like, oh, let me change my shoes. No, like you, you make that decision. You're committed to it. Like there's, there's no going back. Something I think people don't consider as essential gear or something they should keep in their golf bag is an extra pair of socks, baby. Get that extra pair of socks in there. I know in this case, because the shoe is a little wet, it's probably not going to help too much. But I think having an extra pair of socks is a nice thing to have. Because even if you're putting your foot back in a wet shoe, getting a dry sock on before you do it, it's a good feeling. Something to think about. I've got something to add to this. Actually, two things. You you said you can spend like hundreds of dollars on golf shoes. Like I I, I guess you can, but I, I personally tested about eight different pairs of golf shoes this year. Um, there are some really, really, really good golf shoes. Like I was, I was blown away by the comfort, the performance, the, the connection to the ground on spikeless shoes is incredible these days. How, how good they feel like walking around on your feet is incredible. The waterproofing is incredible. Like even shoes that look like, like I wouldn't wear that in a puddle. Like I, I've worn some shoes in some, some really wet conditions. Feet stay completely dry. And a lot of them are around that hundred dollar range, hundred to hundred and fifty. So you you can spend a couple hundred if you want, and, and you would get really good shoes that will probably last you like eight years. Like if you get a pair of like Echo Biomes, happen to be one of my favorite golf shoes. If you take care of them, you, those will probably last you like eight years, and your your feet will stay dry, and, and you'll love them. Um, so yeah, it can't be an investment, but you can also get really good golf shoes for like less than a hundred bucks that are going to be really comfortable. They're going to look nice. They're going to help your performance on the golf course. It just it just seems silly not to if you're going to play golf more than like twice a year. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I did actually bite the bullet and buy a new pair of winter golf shoes because, as you well know, uh, I left my winter golf shoes in Rhode Island because they were just on their last leg and I just couldn't look at them anymore. They were a pair of Echoes that lasted for a while. I bought like a nice pair of Foot Joys, Nick. They're not spikeless. They have friggin' talons on the bottom mm. of them and it took me like at least a good hour to figure out how to walk in them and not like rip up greens but oh baby when you wear those on some soggy conditions you really feel yourself dig in on like a really soggy turf boy does it feel good i yeah i know spikeless is all the rage it's better for golf courses i get all of that but as someone who started playing golf when metal spikes were not outlawed from the game um it is an amazing feeling to get some spikes and really dig into the turf. Oh, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, I, I uh, took a pair of spiked golf shoes to the course 
most recently, which was the first time I've worn spike shoes in, you know, since like February. I almost always wear spikeless. I love spikeless. I love walking. They're, they're great for that. But the, I never felt unstable in spikeless shoes. But then when I put the spikes on, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a whole nother level. You feel like you feel like you took your stance and then somebody came and poured cement on the ground and on your feet. <laughs> and then you made your golf swing. Like you're not going anywhere in those things. I, I'm telling you, they're just so good now. Like golf shoes are so good. Like yeah. four or five years ago, I, I was always battling like uncomfortable golf shoes. Like I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like as sold, but like I said, I, I've tested eight different pairs of golf shoes this year, four or five different brands. I, I tried some Skechers. I was I was blown away by the Skechers. I hate to even oh. admit it, but there was oh. there's Skechers, some Echoes, some Painters, some Cobras, and and everything is just like oh my god, they're so comfortable, they're so functional. They're most of them are very affordable. Like it's just it's just silly not to wear golf shoes. I love that. Have you ever? been around some I mean I, I know the answer is no but have you ever been around someone or seen or heard metal spikes on a golf course no I'm yeah no <laughs> again this is when I like just first started playing golf but to hear the sound of metal spikes on a golf course and then to just I still have a very vivid image of playing with one of my dad's buddies who was wearing metal spikes when they were like just about to be outlawed basically universally they just rip a golf course apart it is so wild that golf existed for so long i know the technology is you know rocket launch to where we are now where it's just we have this incredible technology and spikeless shoes still work and provide some comfort and some stability on the ground but man to see what metal spikes did the only cool thing about them is how good they sound on pavement. Like it just, it sounds like you're, you're about to go put in some work hearing that crunching. And if you watch, I don't know, major championship coverage, like early in the morning and see the leaders come in, some of those boys still wear metal spikes and it just sounds incredible when they're walking on the pavement or in the parking lot. That's my diatribe on metal spikes. They should be outlawed, but they're cool as shit. Perfect. <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking to get a Christmas present for Joe, <laughs> Buy me illegal shoes. Yeah, everyone's concerned about illegal golf balls. What bring illegal shoes back? Why are they rolling back the golf shoe? <laughs> I mean, there there was probably an argument when that happened of like, I'm never gonna use spikeless golf shoes or soft spikes. They're they're not gonna give me what I need to do on the golf course. So golf shoes, they're important. Is that our is that our synopsis here? That's it, man. If you play more than 10 rounds a year. Get a pair of summer shoes, your walking shoes, your spikeless shoes, your your June through September shoes. Get a pair of spiked shoes that are fully waterproof. Your, your February, March, April, September, October, November shoes. All right. Here's some dumb shit from Golf Digest that I saw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> should a hole in one count in a scramble? Um before I give my thoughts, Nick, do you want to do you want to share share what you think about this? Yeah, I'll, I'll share what I think. Okay. Um, I mean, it depends on the context. Oh. Um, hey, Nick, have you ever had a hole in one? Yeah, I did. Actually, it happened on the second day of the Quarter Club Open. Uh, it was a scramble with Joe at the fifth hole. We aced it, and uh, it was a great way to start the day. Sure, I, I'm all good with that. You hit the shot, it goes in the hole. You write one on the scorecard. Like, let's not overcomplicate it. Now. If you're the kind of person who makes a hole in one and wants to 
send your scorecard to the manufacturer of the golf ball and hope you get a bunch of free shit and you want to like have your name printed in the newspaper and you uh, want to you know all that stuff ah probably don't do that but if you're just like in the context of do you have have you ever made a hole in one the answer to that question at the bar at the 19th hole at the corner club is yes that's so funny i don't think there's any ambiguity about it uh, it's not as though so if you hit the shot, I wouldn't say, like, I made a hole-in-one in a scramble. Because <laughs> like, we're a scramble team and, and our score was one. Yeah, but it's like, if I stand on a par three and it's my first attempt to hit a shot and it goes in the hole, that's a hole-in-one. I don't really think there's any sort of qualification necessary. It's not like when, if I was just playing around with you and Romy and I made a hole-in-one, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I... I did ace number 17. Uh, I was playing 197. I hit a four iron into the wind and uh, one bouncing in, but it wasn't in competition, so I don't really count that. Like that, <laughs> To me, that would be the same sort of thing, right? It's like if you are playing a round of golf, even if it's a scramble, it's not as though your first shot is illegitimate. Like everything after that, okay. If you're not playing your first shot, then yes, it's, it's, it's illegitimate. But just because the format is a scramble doesn't – that shouldn't make a difference – at all that's why i said this is some dumb shit from golf digest because i saw this tweet and i was like oh this is a really hot debate and i don't really understand even what the other side of the argument could be if you're standing on a par three you peg your ball in the ground you take one swing and it goes into the hole that's an ace i mean my my like what what, i got i'm I'm drawing a blank the way i look at these is like what number did you write on the scorecard (laughs) Right. Right. Like, yeah. if you're if you're doing one of those things where you have 24 hours and you're just hitting like 100 shots of pepper, there's no scorecard. You don't write anything down. It's not a hole in one. But if you have a scorecard and you write a one on that for any reason, then I don't see why it's not a hole in one. Because yeah. that just like that's not that's not overcomplicated. I I completely agree. So we can move on to mm. something that I think about, and I don't really even know how it's a discussion topic that we're gonna get through, and um, I guess we'll find out. How often do you use plastic tees and how often do you use wood tees? Or do you even think about it? Had you even ever thought about it before I put this down on our show sheet? Um, I have some very definitive answers to all these questions. Wow. Uh, no, I, I have never thought about it. <laughs> like I've never really thought about it once. Yeah. Uh, how often I use, like I use plastic tees when they become freely available to me like sometimes you buy a golf product and it comes with like four tees and those tees are always plastic that's fine i've never been like "Mm, not using that tee it's plastic when i worked at the new england pga we had a deal with a tea company they sent logo tees every year they were plastic i used them and i never thought twice like oh that's a plastic tee when i buy tees i buy a 800 pack of bamboo wooden tees off amazon for 6.99 I, I, I don't buy plastic tees, but I, I never I, I've never considered like, oh, should I or should I not use this tea because it's wooden or plastic? I'm sure the studies have been done. I just feel as yes, though they have. Okay. Oh you oh do you do you know the results of them? Um very loosely. I, I know that studies have been done and there's a reason why we don't hear about them and because like if there's any difference, it's measured in like feet and inches and not yards. So it's not enough to make a difference. Okay. 
So there essentially is no real difference between a wood and a plastic tea. Yes, correct. No, no measurable difference. Because like, like, we, like we said with the golf ball rollback, like I might hit one two seventy, I might hit one two twenty. The the two and a half feet right. I gain or lose from a tee is going to be indistinguishable. There's just something about the way the ball, like when I peg the ball in the ground and it sits on a plastic tee, it just, it just feels as though there is going to be some sort of impediment to me making clean contact with the ball in a way that doesn't exist with a wood tee. And you're saying that that's probably not real and it's in your head, which makes a lot of sense to me. I'm sure it's not real in my head, but isn't that where most of golf lies is in my head and it not being real. So if I have a perceived disadvantage, I should probably just use a wooden tee instead of a plastic one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if you don't feel comfortable using a plastic tee, then then use a wooden one. Like I said, you can buy 800 of them on Amazon for like $6.99 and, and you're set for a while. And I will say like some of the plastic tees, like the ones that I was using that I got for free from the New England PJ have like the prongs and I'm, I'm like showing you, it's like oh. a little tripod. Where yes. It's like yes. Getting on the little prongs. Those kind of like give you confidence. Cause you're like, well, nothing's getting in the way of my ball. Um, <laughs> but I know exactly what you're talking about. How like the plastic tee just feels like it's, covering the ball yeah. in a way that it, like I got to get yeah. through plastic to get to the golf ball. And I don't know. Bad. This this kind of <laughs> I don't by and large I don't, but it's just kind of like sitting there in the back of my head when I tee it up with the plastic. I think this just comes down to like by and large I find that tees are like the one affordable aspect of golf. They're what was it 800 for $7? Something like that. Yeah, so you could play, I don't know, an entire month or two on the PGA tour with those tees break one on every single shot. And you're only out $7. I just think that we need to just let tees go. Um, hit it. If you don't see it right away, stop looking for it. Just two seconds, move oh, on. You've got 20 more in your pocket. I don't understand this obsession with like, where'd my tea go? Where, who gives a shit where your tea is? I've got here. If I give you 15 right now, will you stop looking for it? And can we move on? I don't understand this obsession of trying to find your tea. It's, it's such a good take because people get like, they get annoyed when they can't find their tea. And it's like, what are Who you cares? What are you doing? You're, you're <laughs> looking for a penny on the ground. <laughs> yes. Not even if, it's, if it's your pro V, guess what? I'm going to come help you look for it because I understand that 650 that you just hit into the woods. And that adds up really, really quickly. But yes, you're less than one cent purchase. Um, guess what? If you go to the next tea, you're going to find like two or three. Or mm -hmm. again, look at my golf bag. There's 700 in there. Help yourself. It's it, it's Christmas. Go nuts. All those presents from or, Joey Clauser for you. Or when you're on like the fourth hole and somebody asks to borrow a tee and you give them one. And it's like, if they don't have a tee on the fourth hole, they're not going to have one on the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Just give them like seven or eight tees. Get them through the rest of the round. Like, please. Totally. Always pay it forward with tees. Never skimp. If you're the one who has all the tees, just give them to that person because they're going to need them. Just yes. quit, quit the Easter egg hunt. We don't need to do it. <laughs> With that, it is time for our Mad Golfer of the Week. And once again, Nick's quest to find a new golf club in 2024. We've decided this is going to be a spring task, but I'm still trying to provide some winter research through the Mad Golfer of the Week. This is a repeat offender, as it is a very notable golf club. Not only a course that we've had a good time playing at in this calendar year, but also the site of your wedding, Crystal Lake. Golf club in Burrowville, Rhode Island. Quote. This is from Scott. 
Staff was terrible. Made a tea time, and the man working the front desk, Tony, rudely told me that I did not make the reservation. I then pulled out my phone to show the call log on my phone when I made the tea time. I brought two foursomes here, and we paid about $500 to play golf, and the way we were treated will not make us come back here again. I hope Paul and Al take this course off the HJY golf cart next year. Course is in excellent condition. <laughs> okay, okay, there, I gotta unpack this. Please. The last time I, I have like heard a, the term call log in the context of evidence, <laughs> it takes me back to when Serial, the podcast, was released, and it's like, uh, well, I got the call logs and, and what was said in this conversation. Because, like, you can't just because you may have dialed the number at a certain time doesn't mean you can or can't prove that something happened. I trust you Scott. Bell if, toll if, if you telephone have the, to get the I call know, log. Was the phone booth there or was it gone? I mean, there's no renderings. <laughs> Um, I trust that if Scott had a call on his phone to Crystal Lake and that he showed up with seven other dudes at a specific <laughs> time, that he probably made a tea time or at least thought that he made a tea time. Um, Tony, super nice guy. Um, you know, I, I, I trust that, that he isn't just trying to be a jerk. Um, Crystal Lake is great. Yeah. I remember we went there for my bachelor party and like half of our crew wore t-shirts and ryan gilmore ended up wearing your polo which probably was never the same again and, and uh matt Moore, he's dropped like 90 dollars on a on a shirt that he'll probably never wear again um and we had a great day and we had a great day and, and all that aside scott just take your reviews somewhere else i don't know if if Paul and Al, they sound like radio DJs and HJY sounds like a radio station. I don't know if that's what you're talking about with the golf card, but we'll just let it go, man. Have you ever booked the wrong day or the wrong time or the wrong course? Have you showed up to the golf course and your tee time was for like, I don't know. There's probably no way to do like morning or or night. Like you couldn't book it for like 8 a.m. or yeah. 8 p.m. But have you ever booked it for the wrong day or for the wrong course? Have you showed up and you're like, I oh, shit, I messed up. Um, the only time anything like that has ever happened to me is, is the first time I ever tried to use online booking. So this is like when I was playing U of I, this is like, you know, more than 10 years ago now. Yeah. And, and like online booking wasn't that popular, like through the course website. And I showed up to, to, um, to check in at the pro shop and I was like, Hey man, I either booked this nine times or zero times. Um, but, but do I have a tea time? And he's like, well, it didn't, it never came through, but like the course is wide open. Uh, it was one of those where like I, I hit. You know, you hit like confirm, and then like the page like takes you somewhere where you're like, yeah, did that did that go through? Like, <laughs> is it working or is it not? Uh, and I just did it repeatedly until I was like, well, okay, <laughs> we'll see what happens. And then we'll of course you happens. you got to the course and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a friend one time uh, booked the wrong day, which was rather disappointing. Fortunately, there was a course down the road that we were able to play at, but um, yeah, the nice course that we were supposed to play, we. Couldn't get on because it was a beautiful summer day. We, we, and we had the wrong day. That is the Mad Golfer of the Week. With that, we'll now move right into Nick Rolls. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. One of the worst ways to get a hold of me is to send me a message through a social media app. Um, <laughs> but about once every six months, I'll go through like my Facebook Messenger and like find an invitation to a reunion or to a wedding from like a year ago. Um, and recently I went into my Instagram direct messages and I saw about nine messages from Brian Romy. And one of them was a video 
that he sent me a few a few months back. Um, that was a Nick Rules suggestion. It was it was a golfer on on some sort of tour event um, taking a practice swing for like what looked like a thirty to fifty yard pitch shot, like somewhere off the green, but but not a full swing. And he takes such a large divot with his practice swing. The divot drives directly into his golf ball and moves his ball. He said, wow. What's the rule? This was a really good one. I wish I would have seen this back when he originally sent it years ago. Um, but but I looked it up. And, and sure enough, it is a one-stroke penalty. Accidental movement anywhere other than on the putting green. Accidental movement anywhere on the golf course other than the putting green will generally still be a penalty unless one of the above exceptions applies, you know, if that's like if you're on the green or if, if like you you're looking for the ball and you don't see it when you kick it anyways, um, it's a one stroke penalty and you must replace the ball to its original spot. Most of the most of the examples of this are like if your club hits the ball or if you accidentally kick the ball, not if you take such a massive divot with your practice swing that you, it drives into the ball and, and, and moves it three yards. Uh, but anyways, yes. I did see this, Romy. Thank you for sending it to me. Um, the best way to get me to watch a video from Instagram is to use the share button and just send it via text. I'll, I'll see it that way, and there's a much better chance I'll, I'll respond. What year did he send this? Do you do you know? I, I, I just think it was actually like a couple months ago. It oh, was, okay. It was twenty. It wasn't like yeah. 2014 or something like that. No, no. But I had, but I, I, I like. There was a time I logged into to Facebook and somebody was like trying to get my address to send me a wedding invitation that was like the wedding was long gone by the time I saw like things like that. I'm like, look, I, I, I turned off. So just to like peek behind the curtains, like I used to work in jobs yeah. where I managed social media accounts and I had to turn off all the notifications because like every time somebody comments on like the Idaho Vandals men's basketball recap, like I, I don't need to, to know about it. Um, and then I just like enjoy life much more without getting notified every time I get like a notification on social media. So um, that's just how I live my life. Yeah, I, I turned off all social media notifications too. It's really refreshing. Uh, and then as soon as I log on to a social media that I don't really use, like a Facebook or something, I, I last like five seconds. I'm just like, I, I got to get out of here. It's like, it's like, it's like robbing a bank. Did anyone know I was here? I have to complete leave immediately. And that is Nick Rules. Are you playing golf today? Um, it's still undecided. Oh. It's still a possibility. It's still a possibility. It is. Oh my god, it's fifty-one degrees right now. Yeah, so, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get nine holes in. We're recording this on Friday, December fifteenth. This is dropping on the eighteenth. Right now, it is what twelve fifty p.m. Yeah, it's fifty-one degrees. The sun yeah. is blaring on your face right now. My, my my golf coach wants to see some ball flight. He's sick of seeing oh. me uh, hit balls into a sheet that's hanging in my garage by a, by a nail from my ceiling. Uh, he wants to see what the ball is doing. So maybe I'll get out there and um, hit some balls. Yeah, Smoot's gonna wake up soon. It's almost it's almost waking up time where he is. Uh, okay, enjoy. We're gonna we're gonna do a couple more eps. We are gonna release a Christmas Day episode because that's the way the calendar falls. We're not going to be recording on Christmas Day, but please enjoy that Christmas week. We're also going to drop one New Year's Day. Uh, so still plenty more fun to get to on At The Turn. And if you were in the Survivor Pool last year, expect an email from me very, very soon asking for $10 to be in it once again. If you want to sign up for the At The Tour Survivor Pool and you weren't in it last year, just hit us up on any social media. Uh, I'll find a way to don't, make it don't work. Don't hit me up. Don't DM me on social media. We'll get you <laughs> Not next Facebook. <laughs> Instagram. Please find us on Instagram at The Turn Pod and you can join there. Uh, enjoy the holidays and uh, we'll talk soon. 
I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.